Hey, loyal listeners, wanted to remind you once again about AI BrainShare 2018. Remember, early bird registration is over. But for you as a loyal listener, if you go there and you register at AIBrainShare18.com and you register at when you do, put in the coupon code loyal listener. That's loyal listener, no space. Put it in there and you'll get the early bird registration. AIBrainShare18.com. We need you there. We're limited to 100 people. At the recording of this, we're 40% sold out. You're hearing this at least two to three weeks later. It's probably sold out, but if you can go to AIBrainShare18.com and it doesn't tell you it's sold out, put that loyal listener in the coupon code, get the 250 early bird registration, includes all food, all drinks, all entertainment, and show up September 13th through the 15th in Las Vegas, Nevada. You got to go. Now, let's get on with this Amazing podcast from Andrew Mueller. Hey, everybody, this is Jason Cass, and welcome to an episode of Agency Intelligence, where we dive deep into insurance and we discuss everything that has to do with insurance. But here's the important part of agency intelligence this is real agency intelligence versus the artificial intelligence that all the consultants and everybody in the industry likes to tell you. This is real agency intelligence. And when I say that, that's why I went out and got our guest today, Mr. Andrew Mueller, where he is an agency owner, does what I do on a day in and day out basis. If you're involved in an agency, he does what you do every day, day in and day out. So it allows us to have a deeper, more rich connection. When I met with somebody like Cindy Donaldson, which is part of agency, our agents influence conversation with Jason Cass, Cindy's worked in the business and she knows about the industry, but it's just a different level of business intimacy when it comes to taking with speaking with people like Andrew Mueller. And so that's what I brought him on. But before I get to Andrew, I do want to take just a second and I want to let everybody know you need to go to IABrainShare18.com. I or AIBrainShare18.com. AIBrainShare18.com. Why you got to go there is because I know that this podcast, I don't know. Right now I'm recording it on April 10th. I do know next Monday we are going live with it. Now, if you remember from past podcasts, you may have heard me talk about Grow Lab. This is Grow Lab. It is rebranded into IA Brain Share because that's what it is. It's 100 agents sitting inside of a room. Now, here's what's amazing. We only accept 100 people. The very first year we had it, we only accepted 50 people and we sold out. And almost all those people came back last year in Charlotte and we accepted 100 people and we didn't sell out. We ended up with like 94, 95. We actually sold out. We had people cancel in the last week. So we ended up like 93, 94, 95. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I've been told that majority of those people are going to come back. But here's the other thing you need to know. The mastermind membership has grown by over 25 new agents since then. So I'm just telling you right now, if you really want to come to AI BrainShare, I encourage you. First of all, You've probably already missed or hopefully you saw that we had an early bird of $250 for you to get in. That was only for the first 10 days. And if you get it before June 1st, it's the regular price of $389. And after that, it's $489 going forward until the event, just the way it is. But I'm going to tell you, I don't think a lot of you guys will have to pay $489. And the reason is it's going to be sold out before June 1st. When you just figure in just the mastermind members coming, that's going to include 60 to 70, maybe 80 people. And then you've got to think about all the people that came last year. So I encourage you to go to AIBrainShare18.com. If you want to be a part of this, it's no joke. You better get there ASAP. It is going to be September 13th through the 15th in Las Vegas, Nevada at the SLS hotel and casino. I got a little video on AIBrainShare18.com. You can also see what all is included and everything like that. Here's the key. It's a hundred people that sitting inside of a room who are sharing their brains. And here's the difference between a lot of the other conferences out there. We feed you and we give you all you want to drink, whether that's alcohol or whether that's water or whether that's soda, coffee, whatever it could be. You come and from Thursday evening until Saturday evening, you don't pay for anything other than just enriching your brain with all the nutrients of all the experts that are going to be in the room. AI Brain Share 2018, Las Vegas, Nevada, September 13th to the 15th, AIBrainShare18.com. Go find out about it. Now, let's get on with the good stuff of what we're here for. One, I'd like to introduce and welcome to the podcast, Mr. Andrew Mueller. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, man, doing well. 
Live in life, brother. Live in life. Hey, let's broke right into this, man. Let them know who you are. Let them know. Let them know. Are you an iPhone or are you a droid user? Dude, I am droid all the way. When you own a business, I feel like it's the only way you can go. That's the way I feel. I can run my agency from my phone. That's the way I feel. See? See, people? It's just not me. It's just not me. You know, I have more people, Andrew, that are iPhone users than Droid users. It's just the way that it is. But do you know that in the world and even in the United States, there's actually more Droids than there are iPhones? There's actually more Droids than there are iPhones. It's not even close, to be honest with you. It's not even close. Yeah, I agree. It isn't because, you know, you have all these different phones and they all have Droid or you just have Apple, right? But, But what's amazing is, is how many people are just on and love their iPhones. And do not get me wrong, I'm not downing iPhone. It's just, I see the way that they work and how, as you said, owning a business, you can do everything with the droid. And so if you guys, all you loyal listeners out there, I mean, come on. That's how you know this is going to be a good podcast, right? Because the dude is a droid user. Tell us about the last app, Andrew, that you downloaded for business, personal life, fun, whatever it was. What's the last app you downloaded? Man, that's a great question. I'm going to have to look at my phone. Yeah. Let's see here. If you got a minute, just go all the way to the back and see the last one. That's what I always do. Yeah, dude. I think it's an app called Dealey. And what it is, the local app a buddy of mine started that's basically like a local kind of Groupons kind of app. And it just tells you what local stores have a discount or have a freebie when you're going in there. So there's a really good little restaurant I go to at least once a week called Clean Eats. It's a franchise, so some some of y'all might have one. And I get like 20% off every time I'm in there. And it, it pays for the app after like three or four visits. So that's probably the most recent one I've downloaded. One of your buddies created that, you said? Yeah, man. Yeah, so it's one of my good friends, client of the agency as well. He's doing really well with it. But yeah, it's called Dealey with two E's on the end. No. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. So let's go into the next one. So do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Andrew? Man, dude, that's a tough question. Mm -hmm. I say I hate to lose. You know, growing up being a playing sports, I was a big baseball player. I just hated to lose. I'll do anything to not lose. But man, that's that's tough. (laughs) It is. That's tough because you want to win so bad that you don't want to lose. Right. So that's a tough one. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. And you, so for all you loyal listeners out there, you know this if you've been a longtime loyal listener. One of the biggest attributes that I have found and one of the biggest pluses when you're trying to find a, a successful producer is somebody who played a sport. And I'll even say if they played a college sport, you will have a higher success with them just due to their competitive attitude. And so, Andrew, sounds like, did you play college sports or were you just in high school? Well, I did. So I played rugby in college. So it wasn't NCAA sanctioned, uh, but it was a club sport. So I played rugby all four years of college and it was amazing. We took some of the most fun trips and played some of the craziest guys you could ever meet, but it was a blast. Rugby. Wow, dude, you are tough. I mean, you're tough. Like when your kids are older, someone's going to pick on them and they're going to go, dude, if you mess with me, did you know my dad played rugby? I mean, that, that's how they're going to be, dude. They're going to be, that's how they're going to scare people off. I mean, that's, that's how tough you are. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, whatever works, right? Whatever works. Now, last thing, just to kind of get into your brain a little bit, would you rather be really lucky or would you rather have a lot of skill? Skill. Skill all the way. Luck can only take you so far, but skill will take you across the finish line. Okay. So, and just take up, you know, whenever you just ask me that, the first thing that popped into my head of all things was MacGyver. <laughs> I have no clue why, because he had skills. He got it. I mean, some might call it luck. I call it skills is what he had that got him out of every situation. So, Andrew, do you know how many young millennials right now are listening to this and have no idea who the hell MacGyver is? <laughs> well, unfortunately, there's a new MacGyver that comes on, and it's terrible. I've watched it once, but the original MacGyver was the boss. Awesome. I mean... Oh, it was awesome. Like he'd go up to a door and like he couldn't get in the door. And so like he'd pull out a piece of gum and he'd like wad up and do something with the foil wrapping and he could get the door open. 
right? I mean, yeah. that's how he was, yeah. dude. He was like MacGyver. <laughs> he was he had skill all over the yeah. place, right? That was skill. That's right. I guess he never stood at that door and was like, man, how can I get lucky to get this door to open, right? You know, exactly. so that, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. We all do need a little bit of luck, though, with that skill. But you're saying if I had to choose one, I'd choose the skill. Certainly. Absolutely. Makes sense. Makes sense. So now that you've qualified through all of our questions, we now know who you are, but tell us a little bit more about you. Go back, you know, as far as back as you want to go and bring us forward to where you are now so we can get to know the real Andrew Mueller. Certainly. Well, I'll try not to make it too long, but so, you know, you had mentioned Charlotte, North Carolina, where your uh, event was last year. That's where I was actually born. Born in Charlotte, but raised outside of Louisville, Kentucky. And it's Louisville. It's not Louisville or Louisville. It's Louisville. And while we're talking <laughs> right now, I'm actually holding a Louisville Slugger bat in my hand. So All right. um, that's another reason okay. why you don't mess with a rugby player or a former <laughs> baseball player. So grew up in Louisville. Parents are divorced. Both parents remarried. I have four wonderful parents. I think I've got, you know, the best life from that standpoint. You know, growing up, I had four opportunities to go and find a yes versus just two for most kids. So Good way to look at it. I knew how to work that pretty well. So I grew up in a, you know, grew up living with my mom and my stepdad. And that side of the family owns a uh, swimming pool construction company. So I grew up in construction of swimming pools, of all things. And I don't know how to build a swimming pool. I don't even know how to check the water. <laughs> But I did work in the family business growing up, but I don't know how to do any of it. So I grew up in the nature of a, of a small, locally owned business. And then my dad and stepmom, they always lived in the Carolinas, and they were in the more of the corporate side of things, both in insurance. And that's you know part of the reason why I ended up in insurance. My dad did life insurance. My stepmom worked for, still does work for auto owners insurance. And that's kind of how I, I got in the business was through her growing up, she used to be a claims adjuster and we used to go on claims, me and my brother, we used to go on claims with her all the time. So I got to experience it as a really young child. And then we would also, she, she moved into a role of, of marketing rep and we used to visit agencies with her. And I always went with her and was like, man, these people, they feel like got it great because the owner is never there. He's either golfing at his beach house or his mountain house, or he's on some trip that he won from an insurance company. And I'm like, that's what I want. Sounds like the life. I want to own an insurance agency so I can do all that stuff. It was before I knew what insurance really was. That's what I'm going to say, Andrew, I'm still waiting on that part. <laughs> so I, I, I promise you at an early age, yeah, I was 10, 12 years old. I said, I'm going to own my own insurance agency. Of course, that was after you know going and playing Major League Baseball. Of course, the baseball thing didn't work out. So I went back and fell into the natural role of insurance and went to the College of Charleston. If y'all have never been to Charleston, South Carolina, y'all need to come visit. We were just voted by Condé Nast, the number one city in the United States. So come visit us. We have amazing restaurants, great beaches. So that's where I live now. I've lived in Raleigh a little bit after college and then moved back to Charleston. So my first gig after college, I was a claims adjuster with a company called Amica Insurance and learned an incredible amount of information and knowledge working for Amica handling claims. You know, I, I pretty much did that job so I could gain all the knowledge and experience so I could go on the sales side of things. I knew it from day one I was going to be in sales and marketing in some aspect. So I became a claims adjuster to learn how to read policies and scare the crap out of people with claims. And then I jumped on the sales side and did a bunch of commercial insurance and really didn't enjoy it. I'm not a huge fan of working commercial accounts. I would go after really large accounts. And right when you would land one, you're having to fight to keep it. And so I made a strategic move and said, okay, I'm going to go back to personal lines insurance because that's what I really love. I really enjoy working with families and individuals. And you know, making an impact to their homes and their lives and everything versus working with some HR department or some risk management department of a firm that they're only looking at the bottom line. You know, on the commercial side, I got discouraged because I lost, I lost two major accounts that were both together in excess of a hundred thousand in revenue. I lost them both in the same year. 
And so yeah, dude, that sucks. (laughs) And so that was the real igniter of making the move back to personal line. So between that and each agency that I worked for, the first agency I went and worked for got bought out by Brown and Brown. And, you know, my initial intentions when I went to work there was that I was going to become a partner. And so those were, again, that was my, my sole intentions when I got into the business. I want to be an agency owner. And whenever that happened, I said, okay, well, those dreams are out the window with this company. So I went and worked for another agency, uh, brought them into South Carolina and said, all right, well, I'm going to be a partner. Uh, once we build this local branch up, everything was great. And then they sold, sold out to another national firm. And so that dream went out the window with them. So at that point, and that was at the time that I lost those two big accounts. And so I said, I'm either getting out of this industry or I'm going to find an agency that is local, that deals with personal lines, and that's looking for a transition in ownership. And this is where uh, luck comes in, as we were talking about earlier, because I got very, very lucky. I put myself on a two-year plan that I wanted to find a a good agency in a two-year period that I could go work for for a couple years that I could eventually buy into and buy out and become the owner. And I promise you not, the very first agency I called, he was like, yeah, let's get together. Let's meet. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm like, dude, what? And so we met once a week for about six months and put a deal together to where before I even went to work for him, we had a deal together of what I was going to buy the agency for nearly two years down the road. So I was I was taking a gamble on it, but I knew that I could do it. So, And most importantly, he knew that you could do it, obviously, because you hadn't even started working there yet. Absolutely. So he had obviously wow. a bunch of faith in me, but it all started from us meeting, you know, once a week, every week. And we just created, it started with just creating a relationship. You know, we got to know each other and then we started digging a little deeper into strategy of, of how I was going to do it. Then we dug into the financials and looking at what he had. And then we hired a consultant to help us value the agency. I mean, it was such a great experience to the point to where we actually used the same attorney to do the deal. We were so comfortable with each other. Um, I mean, I still talk to him today. You know, that is where I would say luck played a huge role in the sense of had I not have called him or had I not have called him at that time, because what if a month later somebody else called him, you know? It was just the right timing. And so here we are now uh, coming up on five years this coming September. Uh, well, six, it'll be almost six years that we had started those, about five and a half years that we started those conversations. And now here we are since purchasing the agency. I've well more than doubled it. I mean, we're just constant. We're continuing to grow each and every month. Uh, we're bringing on new talent. We're bringing on new service people to help with the demand. We're coming up with some really good marketing ideas. I mean, we're just, it's really cool to see an idea that you have in your head, you put it on paper, and then you start implementing it. And then you start seeing all these positive results. And there's nothing cooler than that. Whenever you're like, oh my gosh, like my plan is working. It is so cool and it's so gratifying. You know, Andrew, it's what drives us as humans. I think we sometimes forget that like, and I'm not saying men over women. I'm just stating basic scientific of, I guess, facts of what we know today. It's all about creating something. That's one thing that really drives, I know, the male species as well. It's all about creating something. And I think we think about that sometimes when we're leaving our genetic DNA places and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, that's what drives me as a business owner is what you just said. It's about coming up with that idea and saying to yourself sometimes like, man, I wonder if this will work, mm-hmm. you know, and then going through the trial and error. So I, I think that that's amazing that I hear you say that because I bet you a lot of the loyal listeners right now are probably agreeing with you and saying that's the reason why I do what I do. And what does your agency look like? Yeah, man. So we are roughly 90% personal lines, 
10% commercial. We don't do any health insurance. Uh, we write less than 1% life insurance, which we're trying to pick that up a little bit, being that uh, we have a contract with auto owners. So we're 90% personal lines and we're on the coast in South Carolina. And it's a really unique opportunity and situation because when you're on the coast, you have two elements that you normally don't have to deal with in a lot of other areas. And that's uh, consistent flooding and then the exposure to hurricanes. And when you have those two elements in place, oh, actually there's a third. We sit on a fault line too. So we've got earthquakes. Wow. Which a lot of people don't realize that. I didn't realize that until just now. Yeah. If you look at earthquake maps cutting through Charleston and, and Somerville, South Carolina, there's a huge fault line. And if you Google 1886 earthquake Charleston, the, the half the city was destroyed in 1886. So they're saying that we're due for something like that anytime now. So it's a big exposure here. So when you have those three elements, you put them together, it makes for a unique situation in our industry and the need for a real advisor, not just somebody looking for quotes. You can't go online in our market and get an online quote as a consumer. Like if you go to State Farm, Allstate, Nationwide, all these direct writers, they're basically outside of our bubble. They can barely write property here in our area. And so that basically eliminates them from being a competitor in many cases. And so it's a very unique situation. And personal lines here on the coast, again, it's they're like small commercial accounts. You know, I just bound this account on Friday. It's a neighborhood that's right outside of our office. The overall premium is about, it's almost $14,000 for everything. You know, the homeowners, it's your average home and it's almost six grand. And so they're, they're really nice accounts to write. And that's why we focus on the personal lines because we know that by being a consultant, it's making us stand out against our competition. And there is an absolute need for an advisor versus just getting a quote. That's how we do it and what we do. In terms of what our office looks like, we have four account managers or CSRs. You know, that name's kind of intertwined here in our agency. We have, besides myself, I have two other awesome producers. We're about to bring on a third producer. And then we have a, a producer assistant that helps getting applications signed and working with closing attorneys and loan officers, getting on them all their documents. In terms of myself, writing business, I only try to write about 10% of the new business in the agency just because I'm trying to you know, run the agency and do all the marketing. So my goal is really to drive all the leads in and hand them out to our sales team. Okay. Now that's really good, Andrew. Hold on just a second. That's really good information right there. This is good agency intelligence. So a lot of agents are in your situation. They're trying to go where they are growing. You've more than doubled the agency over the last, you and I have talked before, so, but I think last three years, wasn't that right? You've doubled the agency. Correct. Okay. So you've doubled the agency over the last three years. That's really good what you just said right there, because I know there's a lot of agents, including myself, that wonder what other agents are doing there. Like when you're running the agency, how much of the new business are you contributing? And you're saying 10%. Yep. Yeah. So roughly 10%. Ironically, you know, this is nothing I'm complaining about by any means. But again, as I was talking about earlier with personal lines and the pricing on the coast being so high, I'm getting ready to write a... $60,000 personal lines account. And then another one that I'm taking over by agent of record because it's literally the only option for them. It's almost, it's about 45,000 premium. So naturally just randomly this year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's awesome. It's good stuff. <laughs> but this year, my numbers are a little bit higher compared to the rest, just because some things that have fallen in my lap, you know, ideally I would like to have handed these accounts out but quite honestly, we are so busy and swamped working on so much new business that I can't give all these accounts out. And, but that's why we're looking to hire a new producer. We are generating so many new leads that we've got to hire new producers to help take care of them. Because as much as I want to work on these accounts, I sometimes you know, struggle with that, the time factor of, well, I need, to, I need to focus on the agency and continue to drive in these more leads. And then I can hand out these accounts to my producers to work on and keep them really happy. 
So it is a, I don't call it a struggle, but it is a challenge right? to do. But my thought, you literally have to hand the accounts off. I know that there's a lot of people that will refer to me because I was their agent and I did this amazing job with them and they want their friend or their family member to go through that same experience with me. And in all honesty, you can hand those accounts off. That client, that new client, first off, that client that you have, they're really not going to know that you handed it off. As long as your producers that you're handing them off to are providing that same wow factor, it's not going to matter. And what I tell people all the time is that, hey, look, trust me, I would much rather be working on your account right now and helping you with this, but I've got to run the agency. I've got staff coming to me with a lot of things. And I'm managing the agency. And I think that we will do better for you if you allow Savannah to work with you. She's amazing. She's going to be able to do so many, so many good, great things for you and spend really good quality time with you that I think your experience is going to be amazing with her. And overall, that's a positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are like, that's fine. That's fine. You know, it's, it's really more of you being concerned with it. It's not the client as so much. It's you. And that client or that friend that referred the business to you, they're cool with that. They, maybe they don't know that you're not working on new business anymore or you're trying not to. You know, you don't be right. afraid to tell them. I tell my friends all the time that here's the deal. You know, I would love to work it. And I just give them that same spiel. And they're like, no, that's totally cool. And then they always come back later saying, Man, Savannah was awesome with my friend over here. They did an amazing job. Thank you so much. So you've just got to let go as an owner and just just let them do it, trial it, and see what happens. And if they come back and say that it wasn't a great experience, then maybe that's an opportunity for you to work with that producer on making sure that they're wowing them the way that you would have. Let go and just grow. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So you've really unpacked a lot of stuff here. And so let's put it in the drawers now. Cause I like, there's a lot of stuff here, Andrew, that you probably don't realize that you're saying over the last 20 minutes that have really been impactful to some people. Okay. And just knowing my loyal listeners out there, one of the things that you learned some lessons from promises made that weren't kept, right? So you went to go work for some agencies that whether or not they, we're not here to down the agency. We're just talking about your life lessons here of you went to go work for these agencies, hoping for this, hoping for that. And then they would sell, right? Getting you to do this, getting you to do that. And they would sell. Andrew, I have to tell you, that's my story. I worked for two agencies. They told me that they were going to, they gave, they were promising me the moon, whatever they sold out. I went to another place. They promised me the moon. They sold out. I said, forget it. I'm starting my own. One of the things though, that I think Andrew, tell me, I want to get your opinion here. There's a lot of people that are experiencing that frustration right now who are listening to this podcast. And I want to say that like, it was through those struggles though, is what refined and helped you define what you wanted in the future. So while they were terrible in the fact that they, you know, they take a lot of work. Sometimes they were hurting in the fact that you were told one thing and another. Would you not believe that those experiences of being told those things and being let down actually made you stronger in who you are now? No doubt. No doubt. And so I'm one of those people that I try to find the positive in every situation. My wife sometimes hates me for that because she's like, can't you just back me up and Take my side for once. And I'm like, yeah, but, but look at this. Look at what we can learn from this. You know, that's the approach that I took. You know, naturally, I'm just a real positive person. And so I just said, okay, well, what can I take out of this? And I met some awesome, awesome people working at both of those agencies. That first agency that I worked for, they gave me so much training on the sales side that helped me tremendously. Things that I still use today that I learned. That, I mean, I couldn't thank them enough for it. And I still know them and right. see them around town and I'm friends with them. So it's not like a bad thing. I understand that they made it a business decision for them. I get that. And the same thing with the second deal that I was in that when they sold, you know, I still see all those people, you know, that when uh, they were headquartered in Louisville where I grew up. And so I still communicate with some of them and, and 
you know, again, from there, I met so many awesome people. I learned from so many people. And now my network is huge because I can still reach out to some of those people and they will help me. They're not in my agency. They're technically a competitor. But if I need help, they will pick up the phone and help me. And so, you know, I took away some really positive things. I took away some some things from a operational standpoint, both what to do and what not to do, because we are a local agency. We are not a big national firm. And so while you want to have procedures and processes in place, you don't want to lose that local feel of the agency at the same time. And having been through both of those deals where a local agency got purchased by a national firm, I saw both good and bad, but a lot of bad in terms of how they just completely changed the culture of how they do things and how that turned off a lot of clients. And so, you know, I I saw it as an opportunity being an independent on our own that we could, you know, if there's people out there that aren't happy because they're now working with some big call center somewhere, that's an opportunity for us. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. What I love though, Andrew, was your positive perspective that you turned into proactive action. And I really like that because you went through these hardships, you learned a lot, you remained positive, but you turned into a proactive action when you still said, I'm going to, this is what I see as what I want from the things that I learned from. These are the positive petals that I'm going to pop off this flower and take with me. But I'm going to be proactive in still reaching out to try and create that destiny for myself. No matter all the heartaches, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, the next person's going to be the person, our next agency owner is going to be the same type of agency owner that's going to make promises or whatever. And you proactively reached out. Now, you did have some luck in the fact that, yes, that person was the very first one. So whether you want to call that luck or skill, neither here nor there. But I would say luck in this instance, it was your skill that took that luck forward. But it was luck that, hey, this is the way that it happened. And then you met and you came up with a proactive plan. That was a plan that unveiled itself after, you know, as you said, six months of just meeting once, which I think the things that we can learn here is you were positive, you were proactive, but yet you were patient and you were strategic in understanding what you went and want and for it to take that long. Let me go one step further here and you don't need to give me specifics. I'm just going to ask this question because I know there's a lot of agency owners who are in a situation like you that maybe own an agency that are trying to sell their agency like that gentleman did to you, or maybe they're looking at expanding. What was your guys' financial structure as far as passing the the torch how did you guys financially structure that so (laughs) people don't believe me whenever i say this but i put zero money down and i didn't collateralize anything so i'm going to start with that so i got an sba loan for i think about 60 percent of the purchase price and i paid that to the owner upon the sale. He held the note for the remaining 40%. And the first two years of me owning the agency, I did not have to pay him back anything in that first two years. It didn't start until the beginning of year three because he wanted to make sure that I had the proper cash flow available to make sure that the agency could grow and be successful. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, this was a a very unique sale. We were both very open about it. And it was about making the deal work for both of us, but so the agency could also be successful moving forward. He was just not looking. 
to cash out and move along. He wanted to make sure that the staff was going to still be there. He wanted to make sure that the agency was still going to be there because he's still here in the local community. We still write a ton, I mean, a ton of accounts that he and his family wrote for so many years. So he was looking out for everyone's well-being. So I got the SBA note. And then right before the end of that first two years, I refinanced everything with a local bank and paid him off the rest of the way. So he's completely paid for. And now I've got a note that I still have a little bit left on with a local bank. It's a non-SBA loan. I think my note, it's about four and a half percent interest on a 10-year note. Did you have any tangible assets in that when you refinanced? No. Like a building or anything? Okay, because sometimes it's tough to get a bill, a bank no. to do those type of loans unless there's some type of tangible asset. Exactly. Matter of fact, I'll, the bank that I used, they're out of Alabama, but they have a local presence here in town. It's called Service First, and it's S-E-R-V-I-S, Service First Bank. And the guy that I worked with, I mean, I, we sat down from the get-go and I said, look, insurance agencies have a very unique financial setup, and you need to understand this before we even get into all the major details. And so I, I taught him how that, you know, these SBA-backed banks were doing things to enough to where they felt comfortable doing it. And sure enough, they followed through. I didn't think they were going to. I thought it was going to, I'm like, yeah, right. There's no way you're going to be able to. I've heard so many notes from so many regular banks and they followed through. And even on this new note, I mean, I didn't put down any sort of collateral. The only collateral is the business itself, which I mean, obviously if I don't follow through, then obviously they're, they're going to take the business. But I mean, that's the whole essence of being in business. Okay. Okay. That's very similar into how that we purchased ours was through an SBA loan. We did have to bring 10% to the table, but I can see whenever you had that much, uh, when you had him holding you know, 40% of the note, which is an incredible thing. And Andrew, I applaud you for that, especially going to your bank and teaching them. Because you know, I say to bankers all the time that are my friends, I said, you guys are missing the boat, dude. Yeah. Like this is what I told my buddy the other day, Andrew. I said to him, his name's Joe and he works for US Bank. I said, you guys won't look at this, right? But you'll go across the street and you will give a loan to a shoe store. All right. There's only a hundred million of them. And not only that, you'll give them a loan because they own their building and you'll use that as collateral. I said, but here's the deal. If he doesn't open up tomorrow, he doesn't sell shoes. And when he doesn't sell shoes, he makes no money. That's just the way that it is. Me, I literally, you, Andrew, anybody listening to this podcast who owns an agency, you could lock the door. Like you could just lock the door right now and just leave for like five months, a year or whatever. And you would come back and like 60 to 70% of your business would still be in the bank account and would still be coming in. Right. I mean, it just would. Like if I was a banker, I would be like, I want to do that. Like it would really be funny for something, not funny. It would be interesting to see somebody take up an agency and just lock the door and leave and never come back. And let's see how long it takes before the last commission check comes into the yeah. bank account. I mean, wouldn't that be interesting like to see that? Because people, if they don't have a problem, if they don't have a claim or their rate stays about the same, or they don't make a change, like they would not even know that you're closed. And a lot of your clients, believe it or not, if they can't get a hold of you because they can't make a payment or they can't change a vehicle, they'll just call the company. <laughs> do it. I mean, it's it's really, really wild when you think about that. So I, I really kudos to you because I think all banks are missing out. There's a reason why the venture capitalists are pouring into this industry because yeah. they know they can make their money back and they can make their money back faster than any other industry. Now, we are at 40 some minutes here. So I want to wrap this up a little bit, Andrew, but we still have some good juice that we need to talk about. Yeah. What would you say with you doubling your agency? And folks, when I say he's around a million in revenue, okay? So when he says he doubles, you guys can figure out where it was. Andrew, what would probably be the number one reason why you feel as if you were able to do what you were able to double over the last three years? What have you, what has your staff done? What has your agency, what is the reason um, how, why, or whatever you have been able to accomplish that growth? Yeah. So, well, it's not any one thing. Okay. First off, I think you have to have a written business plan and you have to stick to that plan. So that was the very first thing. Number two, anyone that knows me and knows me well knows how driven I am. And 
I will outwork. I will outsmart. I will just do what I have to do to get things done. Number, that's number two. Number three, I just, I understand marketing. I understand how to deliver a message that's unique to every person out there listening, whether it's a homeowner, whether it's a realtor, whether it's a loan officer. I know how to deliver that same message to each of those, but in a way to where that they see value. And so early on, I just, from a marketing standpoint, when flood insurance became a major topic in 2013 with the Bigger Waters Flood Insurance Reform Act, I saw an opportunity where there could be a lot of education to take place because a lot of our area are in AE and VE flood zones. And so on many real estate deals, floods required, which is awesome because it's another line of business that you get paid a lot of commission on. But but the education piece was the most important piece that got us out there where I created a continuing education course for realtors to be able to take and get continuing ed credits because it was so important in their industry. And so I got in front of hundreds of realtors at, at given times talking about flood insurance reform. And so I wasn't, I wasn't talking about Mathis. I wasn't talking about home insurance and our rates, you know, and how we service everyone the best in, in town. You know, I was talking about the details of flood insurance and how it might affect them from closing a deal or how it might help them to close a deal. So they were very interested. And so naturally, our name just got spread out to so many people. And so we were getting so many leads. And at the time, I was really the only producer. So I was doing it all, writing all the business. And the service staff just still does just do a, they do a wonderful, wonderful job with all the details of everything. But it was just hustle, knowing how to market, right message to the right people, and then sticking to the business plan. I can't stress that enough. There are so many agency owners out there that will do something one week. It's not working. They change it. They think they can go buy some piece of technology and it's going to just automatically help solve all their problems. And then it doesn't. So then they switch to something else. And so you just need to stick to your plan. And that alone will do so much. But man, we just hustled. We hustled. We know how to market and having the right people. Right. So I've said before that like Mike Tyson said, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And I really love that because it's so true. But if you really think about it, it's true on both accords. So like you can make the best plans you want, but when someone punches you in the face, you may have to adjust that plan. But actually you can also look at it as everybody has a plan and that's what you need when you get punched in the face. See, it's, it's really the same dynamic. You know what I mean? It's, it, this is the reason why you needed a plan because you will get punched in the face. And so, yeah. and so I think people like to, and I've even been guilty of it, but we like to twist that for our own need. And I really do like that. And that's one of the things that like uh, Miles Merwin, if you guys listen to the podcast, the one before this, where, I mean, that's where I got it from him that I can make my staff do a business plan. So they have to do a business plan in December for what we're doing in 2018 and what they did do in 2017. And they're able to look at it. Now, this was my first year doing it, Andrew. But my main thing was, is that I wanted a way, a very simple way for my people to be able to be, not for me to hold them accountable, which that works too. But my main theory was for them to hold themselves accountable, to be able to, when December 2018 comes and say, guys, this is what you said 12 months ago, right? It's very easy to justify our own actions in a positive and negative light. But when this is what you said, this is what you said. And I think that that's very important. And I think if it works on that granular level of of your staff, I think it definitely works on a larger level. I will tell you that like whenever I was having to buy this new agency, they kept wanting a business plan. And I tell you, I really hated it, Andrew, as much as I say. I mean, because it was like, now I'm not saying business plans are wrong, but for my situation, it was kind of like, well, here's what we do in our current agency. And this is our plan with our current agency. But like, 
if I give you a business plan for what I plan to do at this agency, I can give you some really high specifics, but I can't give you the details and the fact that I don't even know the markets I'm incorporating. I was a little different, Andrew, in the fact that, and I think you do know this, but for the loyal listeners, I bought an agency that was empty. So like the owner and the staff left. I mean, day one, I took it over and it was me. And I'll be honest with you, it has been very difficult. There, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Definitely more positive than negative because when that negative comes, we got to find that positive, make it rise to the top like the cream, scoop it off and roll with it. We have to figure out a couple of different things. And it is, I mean, 553 clients. I inherited 553 clients that I don't have a relationship with. We haven't lost any large accounts, but we've lost a couple dollars $15,000, $20,000 accounts. And this guy that I bought out, he was real big into the hotel business. And when I say that, he used to be. So that was like three years ago. And he had around 20 hotels. And now he's dwindled down to around like 10, eight to 10. And I've lost two of them coming in because this was just part of his action. He was losing them because he was losing markets. The thing is, though, that was different that I really didn't think about, Andrew, was the fact that he, usually the other agents there for two years, kind of like your guy was, you know? And so, so like, instead of passing those over to Alex, it was kind of like now as those come about and the motel owners like this and like that. And they, they also can twist you, Andrew, because you weren't there a year ago. They can tell you whatever they want to tell you of what they told Alex, right? So it's just, uh, you're kind of sitting there like, oh, well, shoot, I really don't know. But here's the hardest part for anybody who's out there going to do this. This is the hardest part. It's been the last month and a half. So we took official ownership February 1st, started moving all the contracts over from the current insured to this new insured or to my agency. And it's crazy because the companies are coming to me and saying, hey, where's all that big time production that we see out of the Centralia office all the time? And it's like, I finally set my rep down the other day. I won't mention the company, but I just said, hey, listen, man, let me tell you something. We're doing everything we can. And I said, and I understand that you guys want your six, seven, eight policies a month that you say that you need, but I want you to know, I just basically bought 553 people. And I have a job to create a relationship, make sure that these people are being handled correctly, making sure that the companies that they're with line strategically. I can't just assume that everything that this agent did was good. And so that's actually the hardest part is getting my companies for me to say to them like, dude, like give me another month or so. Let me get my feet underneath me because to you, you're needing your eight or 10 clients. I just inherited 553 of them. You know, and so that is, I would say, is my number one problem right now. Rather than just slowly moving into it, there is nobody here. It's me answering the phone. And I had an agent, I was talking to him the other day on the mastermind and we were having a call and I had somebody come in and my wife had left to go to the bank. And so I took this progressive payment. And when I got off the phone, the dude said, why are you taking payments? And I said, you know what? We have offices here, Andrew, in our agency. I put my office out front next to the receptionist right next to it. And I figured to myself, like over the next year or two, like I need to start creating relationships with these people. And I can't be like sitting in my back office and not creating relationships. I want to be talking to every person that walks in the door. Now, believe me, I won't be doing that necessarily in about 18 to 24 months, but right now that was my strategy in that. And it's just about creating that relationship. And this is a relationship business. So when we buy those relationships, it is very, very tough. Anything that you would hear that you, from what you just heard me say, Andrew, that you would have any feedback on, positive or negative? Yeah. So my situation was a little different in the fact that we had more of a 18 month transitionary period. But from the get go, when I first joined the agency, we sent out a letter to all clients, letting them know what was occurring. And we kept the clients in the loop on everything just because for and this might be a that similar situation my agency mapus has been around since 1960 and charleston is not that big of a city or a big town and so we wanted to make sure our clients heard it from us and didn't hear it from someone else because a lot of those clients when i came on board had been with the agency for a long time and i wanted to make sure that they felt comfortable with me so we sent out a lot of communication and anytime there was an opportunity for me to engage with one of those longstanding clients, I would jump all over it. I wanted to go meet them. I wanted them to come to the office. I wanted to get on the phone with them. I wanted them to know that I was going to be there for them, just like Teddy was. And Teddy's dad before that, 
because some of them have been with us for that long. And it's of the business that I purchased, it's such a high retention rate. The only business that we really lose is when these older clients are downsizing. They move from this 4,000 square foot home into a retirement community. And so it's a downsize, but we still write that account. But that's the communication with the clients from day one was key, just keeping them in the loop, letting them know what we are doing. And that the number one thing is that they are going to be taken care of and all these changes we are making are going to be for the benefit of our clients. Yeah, that's what we did. So uh, the closest thing I could get to that, Andrew, is that I actually made a video for the people and we've sent it out by email. We sent out a mass mailing to everybody, letting them know what had happened. And then also at the end, you know, you could go to mytiateam.com and we made a little YouTube video and we actually brought the current agent owner in. And I asked him, I said, Hey, would you do, we're going to make a little video introducing everybody. Would you do a little thing for, you know, where you would talk? And so he said, yeah. And so it was really worked well. And I had a lot of feedback from the people that I've called. So I've also, since then, I also went in and printed off an Excel spreadsheet of 553 clients. And I go through and I call at least three a day. Now, sometimes I call more because I'm dealing with renewals. Sometimes I call less, but my goal is to call three a day. Right now, I'm a little over 60 people and I just call them through. Now, yesterday, somebody called in for an auto change. I tell my receptionist, give me the phone after you take all the information down, give me the phone. So she took all the information down, gave it to me. This person's renewal comes up in October but I flew through the list, marked that person off as talked in the time that we had talked. So we're doing everything that we possibly can. It's just really weird. Like seriously, instead of going and writing one client today, act like you went and wrote 553 all at once. You're like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? And so it's a little bit different. I would say we paid a little under two times for the agency. So I would still say we got it at a good price, but every day I have to go through it without the agent here and me encountering problems with, you know, hotel owner saying, well, I told this to Alex and da, 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 da. Look, Alex was a great agent and he was so like responsible. I'm really highly doubting half of this stuff that you're telling me is the truth. I mean, really the guy was a very, very good agent. And so forget about that. Kudos to you, Andrew. I'm so happy to finally get you on here. Something we didn't really talk about too much was your compensation plan that you do for your employees. But wrapping it up, why don't you tell them a little bit about how you gave ownership to your employees? And I always love saying how you gave ownership to your employees because I always finish it with saying he didn't give them ownership. They're not owners of the business, but he gave them ownership of the business. Does that make sense? Go ahead and tell them how you did that, Andrew. Yeah. So I'll be quick. So, you know, as we were growing these last few years, it certainly wasn't, you know, just smooth sales the whole time. You know, there was a lot of headaches, a lot of frustrations. And a lot of that was because I was getting frustrated, not because, you know, we were doing anything wrong, but my office door was literally a revolving door of the staff coming in, continually asking, basic questions, things that they know the answer to, but with the prior owner, they always ran everything by him. And with me, I'm a very hands-off, I want to give you the authority to make decisions. Like We all have a role to play. And so I just got so frustrated. I'm like, I can't get anything done. If I'm trying to write all these new accounts, I can't do that and help you. Not that I don't want to help you, but there's only so much time in the day to do all this. And so I initially thought about actually giving my employees' ownership within the agency. I thought, well, if you have to think like an owner, you have to be an owner. But then I just said, that can't be right. There are so many great organizations out there that don't give ownership to their employees that still do things on their own and make decisions and have authority. So I said, okay, well, as part of your pay, it's now going to be associated with the profitability of the agency. So now, if the when you do things, whether it's good or bad, that's going to affect our bottom line, which will then affect how you will be paid. And so that alone changed the thought process of how they did things. They said, well, first off, I set them down and said, okay, here's what we're doing. And then I, I explained to them why we're doing it. And I explained to them the benefits of us doing it. And those benefits are more flexibility with their schedules, more flexibility and authority with them being able to make not major ownership decisions, but ownership decisions within the book of business that they are managing. Oh, and by the way, if you do really good, you're going to get paid some of the profit. So we take 15% of our profit 
put it in a bucket and everyone gets a, we have an equation that we come up with for how the employees will be compensated through that. But it's changed the way that the culture of the agency feels and looks. My door, certainly I get knocks or they'll come in, but it has drastically, drastically, drastically dropped to a very manageable and easy thing to where, you know, I can not be in the office for half the week and everything is running smooth and there's not a lot of requests and things on my desk because they're just go ahead and doing them, which is awesome. And so that is awesome. Sure, that's what it is. I don't, I'm more than happy to go more in depth on another call with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal. Like if you're thinking to yourself sometimes, like, why should I go to some of these conferences, right? Well, first of all, you shouldn't go to a conference. Conferences are boring. Don't go to conventions. They're boring. Okay. What you need to go to is you need to go to the IAOA meeting innovation Mm -hmm. every year. Okay. You need to go to Elevate because you need to hang out with the snooty snobs and the people who like make way more money than us and are kind of relevant to what we do, but they're good to hear from. And it's my boy, Ryan Hanley, that puts it on and he never, never disappoints. And then you need to go to AI Brain Share, which is not a convention or a conference. It's just a brain share, something completely different. And the reason I tell you this is because you get to meet people like Andrew Mueller. So how I had found Andrew is he's a QQ user. And I'm always inside the QQ users group. And I see him just blasting people, like like not people, right? And when I say like blasting, you're thinking this negative thing, like he's yelling at people and stuff. But no, Andrew, you're just in there like pushing people, like yeah. asking yeah. questions, you know, like, hey, why does my system not do this? Well, it does do this. Who thought of that? That's not how we run an agency. You know, who would do this? I would see you in the IAOA group making intelligent conversation because as much as I love that group, I got to tell you, the mass majority of them, not very intelligent, in my opinion. Just saying. <laughs> sorry. Just saying. Uh, we like to tell it real here. But the fact is, is you see- Of course, the, if you're listening to this, you're not one of those people. You're not one of those people. Good point, Andrew. But no, it, it just also comes to the point that you see those people like you stick out in these groups, right? Because it's like, whoa, hey, this dude gets it, you know? And then you'll follow you through the comments and be like, okay, I think very similar to this person. And so it's the reason why you need to be a part of these groups. And that's the reason why we created the mastermind, Andrew, is is it's a way for us agency owners who are really killing it, who are really serious, who don't want to just sit around on Facebook all day and tell the rest of the world exactly what we're doing when we're really not doing anything. And that's the reason why we're telling everybody we're doing everything. It's actually a group of owners that are like totally kicking ass. And, And you know, Andrew, I've even thought like after a point in time, like I think like if you don't at least have revenues of a million dollars or more, I think like you're not even going to be allowed to be a mastermind member. I mean, and the reason I say that is because like a lot of us agency owners, and it's so funny, I'll just give one because he knows. Uh, Miles Merwin was like 300,000 roughly when he started into the mastermind. Now the dude's up to like 1.3, 1.4 million. If you ask him what has been his top five secrets, he will tell you in the top five that it's being not just in the mastermind, but being around other people that are like in the mastermind. Jeff Roy, if you go to the website, he'll tell you, you know, you're the top five people that you hang around with. And it's one of the reasons why, I mean, people don't realize it, but like Jeff Roy, everybody like loves Jeff Roy and he's like the bomb diggity, but they have no idea that this dude spends like almost $5,000 probably. I mean, I know it's a lot, but he spends thousands and thousands of dollars a month just educating himself better. He's part of mastermind groups that are like over $2,000 a month. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, what do they teach you in that? That would be that most expensive, (laughs) you know, but it does. And he's always hanging around the movers and the shakers. And once again, I'm not downing anybody, but look at the people that you want to associate and you want to be and see where they're hanging out and the places that they're not hanging out. And those are the places that you, and the, probably the things that you want to do. And so I just, I thank you for being a part of the mastermind, Andrew, because you're another piece of the puzzle that makes us all just, the reason why I like you, Andrew, with clone up with this, and this is the God's honest truth. There's a lot of agency owners, even in the mastermind that will see somebody say something that they don't necessarily agree with and they'll come after them. And that's why I like the mastermind. I want to 
to hear that other side, you know? And I think you come across as a very, as very polite and you're being very mature, but I love the way that you kind of make them stop and ask themselves questions about what they just posted. And then it always turns into a long conversation where I think at the end, you guys both come out like dramatically smarter than when the post occurred. And that's what I love. And that's how it is at our live meetings as well. So I appreciate you being that person for our group. Appreciate those kind words. Yeah. All right. Well, say, hey, Andrew, this has been Agency Intelligence. I want to wrap it up. Well, one other thing here. Leaders are readers and readers are leaders. Now, sometimes what we think and we associate is that sometimes that just has to do with books. But I believe that leaders are very good readers of their environment. They're very good readers of their own personalities and the personalities of others. They're good readers of the things that are going on in the economy and in society. And so it's hard to say leaders are readers and readers are leaders anymore. Also, when I've myself have not read a book in probably over a year and a half, but yet I've listened to over 15 of them in the last year and a half. So leaders are listeners and listeners are leaders and they're also readers. What are you reading? What are you putting into your brain right now that you'd want to share with everybody? Yeah. So I'm kind of with you where I listen to a lot of books. I use Audible. Yep. And so the book that I just, I literally just finished is one that actually Jeff Roy mentioned in a conversation and it's called the conversion code and you know it's about generating online leads generating facebook leads now we have put that out to another provider to provide us that service but i still wanted to understand how it worked so i listened to that and it was an amazing amazing listen (laughs) if you will really i know yeah right i know we want to say read but that's not it but yeah okay that is good that's great before that I read Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Before that, I read The 4-Hour Workweek. And actually, right now, I'm reading a book that has nothing to do with business or anything. It's called Absolute Power. It's uh, basically a thriller. It's like a, a romance, like action thriller. That okay. I was like, hmm, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I need a little change. So that's what I'm reading right now. Absolute Power. I do those same things. One thing that I read... Which I will tell you, you know what? I think I told this to the loyal listeners a while back, but I constantly tell my friends, I say to them, I say, if you want to read a book and it doesn't need to be about business or it doesn't want to be about, you know, everything we do, business, professional relationship, and you just kind of want to escape, but you still want to learn a lot and be here. I'm looking through my, I can't, okay, here it is. It's called Adrift, 76 Days Lost at Sea. It's by Stephen Callahan. Now, I have to tell you, dude, this book was incredible. And the reason why I say it's incredible is because, like, this dude was at sea for 76 days. And this book is actually, according to what I'm looking at here, it's six hours and 57 minutes long. Well, I mean, Good to Great is 11-hour book. So if you've read Good to Great, everybody out there listening, it kind of gives you some reference. Okay, so this is not a a very long book. But I got to tell you, Andrew, the book is so good that I'm going to go back and read it. And I think one of the reasons why is because it's so vivid. Like you're in this boat with this dude and like the things he goes through, like you just like on day 47, I'm just making that up. But like on day 47, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you're like, oh my gosh, like if I was in this little bitty six foot uh, radius dinghy thing, you know, rubber boat for 47 days, like it's hard for me to sit for four hours and watch Netflix. You know what I mean? And to be in this boat and all the things he goes through and all the things he talks about, and it's a true story. And it's really amazing. And there's only been one other person that lasted longer in a boat than him. And don't hold it to me because like I said, I read the book like a year or two ago. It was, uh, I think like 110 or 120 days. Like Andrew, think of it, dude, over three months. Picture like you being put in this little boat in the middle of the ocean for three months. I mean, oh, it's just mind boggling. Actually, that's almost four months. I mean, that just blows my mind. But anyways, for any of you guys out there that want to read that book, it is a phenomenal book. The book that I am reading right now is called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. And it's extreme ownership in how U.S. Navy SEALs lead. And what's amazing is, is I really, really like it because it's really kind of snapped me into being an owner again. And meaning being that like it really shows you like, 
the reason why you have a lot of struggles in your agency are all directly related to you. Not like kind of, like all. And it's that mental mindset of anytime something doesn't go wrong on the battlefield, they never blame the troop. It's always the leader's fault. And sometimes you may say, well, yeah, but this and this happened in my office. How in the world would that have been my fault? If you look at it from the standpoint of extreme ownership, you will see that it was your fault. And I think that's really, really hard sometimes for people to look at, including myself. And so that's why extreme ownership, how U.S. Navy SEALs lead and win. So I thought it was good. Andrew, thank you for your time, man. We have had a long podcast, but I know as the loyal listeners are thinking out there, like Cass, you hit it out of the park again. And really, I didn't hit anything. I just hang out with cool people like Andrew. So Andrew, thank you for taking your time to join us here on Agency Intelligence. Yeah, you have me. Great. Yeah. So once again, everybody, thank you for listening to Agency Intelligence. This is where we get real agent intelligence versus the artificial intelligence that you're told out there in the world. This has been Jason Cass, and I'm out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high-quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60-second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high-quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to ten carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.